to just a few weeks ago where we held our community Bible study. We had Brother Payne with us. And during this study, we went to the factory and we asked the question, is it reasonable to believe in God in this scientific age? And we looked at so many facts. We looked at the universe and we looked at the micro nano machines that are in our body reproducing cells and DNA and how protein works together. And we proclaim so far to this day, when you take the people that showed up and the people that have seen the video, approximately 320 people have now heard the truth about God's word. And we understand the importance of that because God's word is under attack. So I wanted to continue that thought tonight. And I want us to look at a question and I want us to look at a particular species of animals that are the poster child for evolution. And so the question we're going to look at tonight is, did men and dinosaurs live together? And we're going to have a view from the Bible about this. And then we're going to look at evidences in the world. Now to the world. This is a very silly question to ask. For most of our lives, we've seen photos like this. Magnificent creatures that we have fossils in museums. Their terror. How could man and these creatures ever live together? They were fierce. They had no mercy. They clearly could not be tamed. And the dreaded T-Rex. They are sold on TV and advertisement. Burgers we've all had and can remember our children and some of us, maybe even ourselves, this fascination with dinosaurs. But to the world, these creatures lived over about 165 million years. And they die out all of a sudden with no explanation 65 million years ago. And as mere humans, by the world's timeline, just show up somewhere around 550,000 to 750,000 years ago. That's what we're told. That's in all the textbooks of all the schools from kindergarten to high school. And if you go on and take additional education, that's what you're going to read. And there is no other explanation. You know, you may have heard that it is easier to believe a lie that someone has heard a thousand times than the truth that they've never heard. Or, if you want someone to believe a lie, just keep repeating it. So to put this in perspective, I want to show you a fierce creature. And if this is the pictures that I only ever showed you, what would you think? Would you want to come across the lion 
in the safari of Africa with no protection. That looks like a fierce creature. Quite honestly, the hyena he's chasing looks pretty fierce. She's chasing looks pretty fierce to me. But look at those eyes and intent. What if that line, what if I showed you only that picture over and over and over again? Or what about, I got a little bit of a delay here, that picture. Would you feel comfortable ever leaving your house? But yet, these creatures live amongst men and women and children. What about this creature? The lion attacking a buffalo with great ferocity. And were they successful? The next picture says yes. But that's all I've ever showed you of a line. That's all you will ever see. Have we tamed a lion? Have we lived amongst lions? Well, the history is incredible. It's astounding. Lions have been domesticated pets for thousands of years. There are lion tamers. I personally do not need a kiss from a lion. But there are people that have trained lions to give them kisses. Or what about this one? I personally don't think I ever want to try putting my head in the mouth of a lion. But people have done it. Or how about this? I don't personally think lions should be ridden like horses. But people have trained lions to be ridden like horses. Do you see how if we only show one type of image, the perception that could be made? Now, most of us will be quite scared of a lion anyways. But people have tamed them. Oh, I'm sorry. You didn't get that picture. But what about bears? Let me introduce you to Stephen. He's 23 years old. This bear weighs 772 pounds. He is 7 feet 4 inches tall and lives in a house with Yuri and Svetlana in Russia. Those are the two pictures. He doesn't eat what you would consider normal bear food. He eats at their dining room table. He gets read to in their living room chair. He goes everywhere with them. The photos are quite astounding. We have trained bears to ride motorcycles. I actually did not know that. I knew the bicycles, but I was pretty impressed to see a bear actually be able to drive a motorcycle. Or what about alligators? Now, alligators I do not want to see if I happen to be in a swamp or a creek. The top alligator's name is Rambo. He is 125 pounds, 6 feet long, and lives with... This lady, again, I'm sorry, lives with this lady in Florida. This gentleman in the bottom, that's Lance LaCrosse. He is 29 years older, father of three. He's been swimming with alligators since he was nine years old. This is in a wild swamp. These alligators, and he, don't pre-practice this. He's known as the alligator whisperer. 
he approaches alligators in the wild and gets them to eat marshmallows. And if you can see in this picture, that's the marshmallow that was right there. He's never been bitten. I think he said he got nipped on a finger once. These are ferocious creatures. We hear in the news how they attack people. But if we think about the narrative, it goes a long way. What about elephants? Um, elephants to this day are used in places that still don't have great access to mechanical equipment, tractors. They were used before that. They were also used to fight wars. And here you can see that they used to put men up there with bows and arrows and spears in various, uh, this is a, um, India. Both of these uh, suits were from uh, the Indians, India, uh, and that they would uh, use to fight. But this, this could go on. We could talk about killer whales, tigers, sharks, many other terrifying creatures. If we were all um, accidentally to come across in the wild, we would be very scared off. So why do we never discuss men and dinosaurs living together? The reason has been universally spoken against, not just here in the United States of America, this is everywhere across the globe. And that is, there is a desire, a sincere desire to discredit the Bible and to weaken the faith of its readers. Imagine this, someone that has never been, has, hasn't grown up going to church. Someone that has been taught through our educational school system. And you happen to come across them and they're now 26 years old. And you want to sit them down and teach them the gospel plan of salvation. But you're a creationist. You're weird. Surely, men and dinosaurs never lived together. Do you see the hurdles that you have to overcome? There's a reason Genesis 1 through 11 has been attacked mercilessly. This is an important topic. I've heard several Bible studies. I've led several Bible studies here in Middle Tennessee and California with teenager groups. And I can tell you, and it is sad, the teens that want to fight us, that have been so indoctrinated with school teaching that they're now smarter than us, and that the, the Bible has some errors in it, that men and dinosaurs didn't live together, every single one of those kids that I've seen over the last 20 years are no longer in the church. Do you believe, I hope you see, that this matters. We have to show that the Bible is what it says it is. It is the Word of God. Because Satan is out there and he is trying to convince them otherwise. So let's look at the Bible first. And I want to look and set our grounding of what God says. In Genesis chapter 1, verses 20 and 23, we read day five of creation. 
Then God said, Let the waters abound with abundance of living creatures, and let the birds fly above the earth across the face of the firmament of the heavens. So God created the great sea creatures and every living thing that moves with the, one, with the waters abounded, according to their kind, and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the waters in the seas, and let the birds multiply on the earth. So the evening and the morning were the fifth day. I encourage you to have your Bibles. Day six is a little bit longer reading. I'm sorry to get it all on the screen. It's, it's tiny. But I want to read this. Because God is proclaiming something here. On day six, starting in verse 24. Then God said, Let the earth bring forth a living creature according to its kind, cattle and creeping thing and beasts of the earth, each according to its kind, and it was so. And God made the beasts of the earth according to its kind, cattle according to its kind, and everything that creeps on earth according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, Let us make man in our own image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fishes of the sea over the birds of the air and over the cattle, over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Verse 27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, See, I have given you every herb that yields seed which is on the face of all the earth, and every tree whose fruit yields fruit. To you it shall be for food. Also to every beast of the earth, to every bird of the air, and to everything that creeps on the earth in which there is life, I have given every green herb for food. And it was so. Then God saw everything that he had made, and indeed it was very good. So the evening and the morning were the sixth day questions we must evaluate after reading this first is the text figurative or literal of what we just read there's no figurative language here there's no poetry here in this chapter or the chapters to follow Moses understood and written history in a factual manner direct language what types of days are mentioned here and we've um, I encourage you to review some of our other lessons. We've gone through this, but it's a good summary. We need to hear this because it's on the attack. It's an attack inside the church, inside of the body of Christ. What type of day is mentioned in this passage? The Hebrew word is yom. In this text, it is a 24-hour day. We just read the evening and the morning of the fifth day, the evening and the morning of the sixth day. You cannot read any gap in this what day did God create all animals based on the text we just read day 5 and day 6 in 2 days 48 hours all animals were created who also was created day 6 man what animals were excluded from this list none does that mean that every creature that has ever lived the earth is still walking. No. There's not a problem with that. Do we still hear of animals going extinct? We just learned of a turtle. Um, it was the last of its kind. 
They tried to get this turtle to mate with close species. Couldn't do it. Nothing happened. In our lifetimes, in the last decade, that turtle is extinct. And there are no recorded or known species of that turtle. They are still, animals still go to extinct today. So we must conclude from Genesis 1 that God is saying that all animals were created on day 5 and 6 around 6,000 years ago. For time's sake, we're not going into the age of the earth. That's another topic. We're going to look at our topic and stay on dinosaurs. We're going to look at the biblical evidence and then we're going to look at the physical evidence. But notice what God says in Exodus 20, uh, verse 11. For in six days, the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them. Okay, did you catch that? God, by Moses' hand, in the very next book of the Bible, makes a proclamation. The same proclamation He makes in Genesis 1. The beginning and the ending of Genesis 1 says what? God created the heavens and the earth. Here it's more specific. Moses is now saying there is no doubt. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. A question I often get when I talk to young people and old people alike is if God created dinosaurs on day 5 and 6, why don't I read of a dinosaur in the Bible? I can look through a concordance, and that word, dinosaur, does not exist. And I would tell them they were absolutely correct. But, does the Bible mention the penguins or the octopus? No. Does that mean those creatures don't exist? No. The Bible is not a taxonomical book. I think I said that right. I could be off. But it's not a taxonomical book. The Bible does mention multiple animals, including snakes, chickens, horses, goats, and many others. But it doesn't mention every animal. I don't ever remember seeing aardvarks mentioned in the Bible, but I know that they exist. Furthermore, the word dinosaur is actually a fairly recent word in the English language. Scientist Sir Richard Owen in about 1842, somewhere around there, coins this word dinosaur. The Bible was finished over 1,700 years ago. That's 300 years after the first English translation of the Bible. And dinosaur gets thrown around incorrectly if you want to get down to the facts. Anyways, dinosaur, dinos, lizard or reptile, soros, um, sorry, soros, lizard or reptile, dinios, fearfully great, is referring to a reptile or lizard. Do they classify other things as dinosaurs that aren't that? Yes. It's a broad, overreaching term. But we do have a couple written explanations in the Bible of things we don't see today. So if you have your Bibles, let's turn over to Job. 
And for time's sake, we're not going to read the whole passage. But I want to quickly make mention to them and also um, address a, a really big issue with Behemoth and Leviathan. So the first is obviously in Job 40, 15 through 24, if we remember correctly, this is at the end of Job. Job has asked to have the ability to speak to God. God has granted him this permission. Job <laughs> Job quickly realized that he should not have been doing that and, and learns his lesson. But in this discourse, this is God speaking to Job. He first mentions the behemoth here. And just a, a quick reference, and, and there are really good charts, and if we wanted to get into the, the details here, um, this is a mighty animal. He eats grass like an ox in verse 15. His strength is in his hips and his power is in his stomach muscles. He moves his tail like a tall cedar. The sinews of his thighs are tightly knit. His bones are beams of bronze. His ribs like bars of iron. And brethren, there are teachers in the churches of Christ that are saying this is an elephant or a hippo. I have heard it and I've confronted it. What we just read is not an elephant. An elephant nor a hippo has a tail like a cedar. It is us Christians feeling embarrassed to admit that God is describing a creature that isn't walking today. We should not do that. Next we have um, Leviathan. Job 40 again. Job 41 is all about the Leviathan. This is a mighty creature. So he took a mighty land animal, behemoth, and he talks about a mighty sea creature, Leviathan. And I'll just read a couple things. Verse 18, his sneezings flash forth light. His eyes are like the eyelids of the morning. Out of his mouth go burning lights. Sparks of fire shoot out. Smoke goes out of his nostrils as from a bowling pot and burning rushes. His breath kindles coals and flames go out of his mouth. Strength dwells in his necks and sorrow dances before him. I encourage you with your children tonight after we have reviewed this. Read chapter 1441. It's a powerful, powerful passages of God creating creatures to show Job a mighty lesson. And that is God is almighty and he created all things and we are just his creation and we cannot get confused. We, <clears throat> But quickly I mentioned there's a great debate occurring in circles both in the pagan realm and in the religious realm. The behemoth and Leviathan were just mythical creatures. This debate is very detailed. Um, if you would like, I have quite a bit of material on it that I can forge you. Um, but I want to state that even though specifically Leviathan is used in a figurative, symbolic, or mythical standpoint, mainly uh, they refer to Isaiah, but there are three passages that people really generally on all the sides say that this is a symbolic reference, doesn't take away that it is a real um, um, creature uh, that God created. So Isaiah 27, 1, In that day the Lord with his 
uh, sever sword, great and strong, will punish Leviathan, the fleeing serpent, Leviathan that twisted serpent, and he will slay the reptiles that is in the sea. So again, just because of time, I won't go through all the details. But this is what my response has typically been to people that bring this up, that it's just mythical creatures that were being used or symbolic creatures. The horse in Revelation, our children are studying right now, uh, going through their class. Is it not used in a symbolic manner, the colors of the horse and the way that it is used? Absolutely. Does that mean there are no horses on this planet? Absolutely not. So that is a very poor argument. And that's about all the time we're going to give it here tonight so we can keep going. But let's notice back in Job 40 and 15. Sorry. Job 40 15. Look now at the behemoth which I made along with you. He eats grass like an ox. What did God say? I made the behemoth. There, this is not in a mythical or symbolic reference. And I made you. Are we symbolic or mytho mythological? No. So that's, again, a very poor argument. But there is a lot and a lot of material that um, I feel uh, people are going to be uh, approached with and, and observe more going forward on this. Further, one can look at Job 7.12. Uh, we're not going to read it for time's sake, but there's a Hebrew word called tannin. It occurs in Genesis 1.21, Psalm 148 and 7, uh, the full, in the plural form. This is translated often in our Bibles, if you're looking at Genesis 1.21, as either sea monster or great sea creatures or monsters, respectively. What are these monsters of the sea? No one knows for sure. I'm not going to pretend to say that it's a, a particular dinosaur or not. I do believe in Genesis 121 and its usage. It would include dinosaur creatures that were of the sea. I absolutely believe that. Um, but some of these other references, when it's just used in generic terms, I don't think we should get in a big debate of whichever single one of those would be a dinosaur or not. Um, and then the last one, uh, one more example we're going to look at is Isaiah 36. Isaiah 36, and it says, um, The burden against the beasts of the south, through a land of trouble and anguish, from which came the lioness and lion, the viper, we would all say those are literal animals, we, we see them today, and fiery flying serpent, they will carry the riches on the backs of young donkeys and the treasures of humps of camels to a people who shall not profit. Well, there's no way for us again to know what this flying serpent is. We know that flying reptiles with long tails and slender bodies once lived based on our fossil record. So here are, again, not exhaustive, but most of them go around the terms we've just read the behemoth and leviathan are repeated in multiple other passages in the old testament but that is our bible evidence that is our text so now when we take that text we as christians are going to believe that god's word is perfect that it is altogether good and then it gives us everything we need so we're going to take genesis 5 and 6 and say that man and animal uh, dinosaurs live together how many of you seen like those lions, those bears, 
the alligators fully tamed, some cases domesticated. How many of you have been shown countless photos of men interacting with dinosaurs like that? There's actually a group just south here in Alabama, Alapologetic Press. They've actually published some photos. We're going to see some at the end of our lesson tonight. They've been called and ridiculed by the church from east to west and across the globe. How dare you show something like that? How dare you confuse and go against the scientific world and the known facts? Those are real complaints. What we're talking about is a real issue. The lines do not need to get blurred in our mind. We need to stand for God's word. The first thing I want to look at, and we're briefly going to look at these evidences, is dragons. This is um, the Buddhist monastery, Ta Prom. It was built around 1200 AD. And I want you to notice one of the carvings. This is a, um, a dinosaur. I don't think any of the kids have any confusion what that is. But I think one evolutionist said it was a salamander. That, that, I've never seen one um, that looked like that. Um, but um, this is a commonly known uh, a dinosaur figurine. And we're going to see uh, here, just remember uh, the term, and I'm looking for it right now, um, the... I don't know my dinosaur names. The kids actually are probably going to ridicule me uh, for, for how I pronounce this. Uh, seropods. And so we're going to see seropods. Notice when I said this was built. When did I say this te uh, temple was built? 1200 AD. Okay? Very important. Remember that. And remember what you see on the back here. Spoiler alert. The expense is killing me. We didn't know that seropods had those ridges on the back until 1990. Every picture that man drew before 1990 had these animals, these dinosaurs, with a flat back. We're going to revisit that again. Here is a, uh, a tapestry in Chateau de Bourse. In France, it dates to the 12th century tapestry. This is in the throne room. Again, I apologize. Some of these photos, I tried to find the best that I do that I could. Um, I've been searching 20 years for good photos. I've not been to France over here at the castle. As you would expect, Google and DuckDuckGo and all those image, uh, search engines, they don't really support this view. And so you're not going to get a lot, even though people have taken the photos. But if you look right here, I'm going to draw your attention. What does that look like? That's a dinosaur. A dragon. Remember, the word dinosaur doesn't come around until 1800s, mid-1800s. Next, let's look at just one more example. Uh, this is uh, in Europe. This is St. George fighting a dragon carved in the 16th century. This is actually in the... Um, in one of the, the famous museums there. And so dragon legends, what is fascinating about them is that every culture has very similar tales 
of very similar sayings of the same animals. They re-show themselves. This isn't modern-day internet. This is 1200 AD and previous. And we see very similar stories. And so I would argue one of the evidence is that dragons are dinosaurs. Next, for time's sake, we're going to look at drawings. This is a Natural Bridge National Monument. It is very hard to see, but here's a tail, and it comes up, and here's the head. I'm going to zoom in, and that's it highlighted, uh, darkened, if you will, the contrast. Dinosaur, and what's that to the top left? Man, everything I show you, someone's come up with a, a hoax or a fake to say that it's not legit. There, and all the sources that I've been looking at for over 20 years, nobody questions this. The, the patina that is on top of this drawing, it, it, it can't be faked. And while the other side does not want to admit it of the argument, um, everything I'm showing you today, I have a fairly high level of confidence and, and my research and capabilities and talking to quite a few different groups that these are legitimate um, artifacts. The next one is uh, from a uh, cave in uh, France. Unfortunately, uh, this has been uh, off, uh, uh, sealed off for the public to ever go and see this again, even though that people have been taking documents talking about this uh, carving for a very, very long time. Uh, you cannot get in there. Um, but it's been seen by thousands. A woolly mammoth and a dinosaur facing head to head. The next one. Oh, I left it out. My apologies. One more drawing that I was going to show is uh, from the Grand Canyon in the Havasupai Canyon um, and it shows men hunting dinosaurs like animals. It's, it's quite astounding and I apologize it didn't make the deck. Next we have figurines. Um, I don't know if you've heard of these figurines, uh, but they come from a small town in uh, uh, Mexico called Ancambaro and it is 1945 a German uh, merchant named Weldemar uh, Jolshred uh, came across these. Um, it is a fascinating collection over 33,500 figurines were founded, found. Um, the dinosaur or dragon collection is quite extensive. Um, they have shown um, certain animals standing up that we didn't know would have that capability for decades after these figurines were discovered and found. Uh, one of the more uh, impressive ones uh, that, that really gives credence to the um, to the reliability of these findings is again, and again, I'm going to mess this up. I apologize, but a seropod, uh, cer and again, we had no drawing, no record existed of them having spikes until a gentleman by the name of Zerkos discovered it 40 years later in 1990. That's how we found that seropods had that, except these figurines. Um, the carving that we saw in the temple and a couple of other uh, depictions. The Inca Barrow Stones are another uh, incredible discovery. 
11,000 stones uh, that fill the museum by Dr. Uh, Javier Cabrera. Uh, started, uh, or he found the first ones in 1930. Many of the carved uh, stones exhibit mundane scenes, but there are several that have humans and dinosaurs interacting. What is fascinating about these carvings is the scale, the size, and the details are fairly accurate to what we would profess after all of our research and after all of our studies. Next, or just a couple more, I think I have three images. Um, I think everybody knows what that is. Triceratops, fascinating. Um, next, let's look at the fossil record. What you're looking at there, I don't think I have to tell you, is an octopus. But what's fascinating about this octopus, let's zoom in. What you see there is the octopus's, I'm sorry, going to the horse crab. What you see there is the octopus's um, ink sac, ink um, um, disbursement that was coming out. You see the eye sockets, the mouth, and the actual suckers. Octopuses are very difficult to fossilize. It takes there's only one explanation I can think of, spoiler alert, the flood that could fossilize an octopus. And the ink sac is even harder to imagine that it got fossilized. It's fascinating, and this isn't the only one, but what a great discovery um, from the fossil record. Uh, that fossil record, by the way, of the octopus is in the same level of other dinosaurs. So supposed to be this distinction of all dinosaurs that go away that didn't happen horse crab same thing uh fossilized horse crab modern day horse crab that was taken within the last 10 years indistinguishable differences uh, between the horse crab the next is a, a fish that said went extinct before it was supposed to go extinct uh the magazines in the 60s and the 70s said that this uh, particular fish colocomps was extinct in 70 million years ago. No fossil records of it ever since then. And then all of a sudden, in 1930, someone got one. And not only did they catch them, and not only have we caught thousands of them, we actually have swum with them in the wild. Quite astounding. Um, now this is where um, human remains comes into the picture and the question mark. And um, all I can say here is that there's one possible discovery site in LaSalle, Utah, in the Dakota, Dakota sandstone layer. The jury's still out on is this correct or not? I, I don't know. But why would we not expect to see a lot of human fossils and, and dinosaur fossils? Well, let's look at some numbers real quick. 95% um, of fossil records consist of shallow marine organisms such as corals and selfish. Within the remaining 5%, 95% of that is algae and plant tree fossils. A mere 0.25% of the fossil record is vertebrates. 0.0025% or 1% of the 0.25% are vertebrate fossils that consist of more than a single bone. There's not a lot. It's actually very rare. <coughs> In all of the world, there are, I believe, um, I, I looked up the, the statistic to validate what I had collected a few years ago. 
there's only about 2,100 dinosaur skeletons in all the world museums combined. That's astounding. Next, this is a T-Rex uh, uh, femur. What is astounding about this is we have found red blood cells, blood vessels, and collagen. Now, I'm sure most of you remember from your chemistry classes that bone is not rock, it's actually tissue. In the human body, our bones replenish themselves approximately once a decade, every 10 years. It's, it's infathomable, it's unrealistic to ever imagine that you could actually see that after 65 million years. We're trying to come up with the explanation that you could see it after 4,000 years. That's pretty astounding. But I want to show you a T-Rex horn. This is incredible. We're talking the last 20 year discoveries here. That's them going through their scientific process of taking that T-Rex horn that you saw in the field and cutting it up. Going through a process. I'm going to show you a video here. As the video plays, we're going to talk. That is T-Rex horn tissue that is pliable, meaning they're about to stretch it and watch what happens. It comes right back. Well, that wasn't good enough. So they're going to stretch it more. And you're actually going to start to see some, some space in between this, right? And it's going to come back. That is astounding to me. That is T-Rex. Sorry, Triceratops in this one. Soft tissue. So let's put it under a microscope. This is a very fine microscope. What you see there, all those that were at our community Bible study knows what this is. Those are cells with protein. Has the scientific community had trouble with this? Oh yeah. <laughs> lots and lots of trouble with this. How much have y'all heard about this? Very little to none. It's astounding. So tonight, I've thrown a lot at you, and we didn't even we didn't even clip the tip of the iceberg on this one, much less get under the water. Every single one of these categories, you could spend an hour discussing the details. But what we did tonight to answer this question between men and dinosaurs is we've looked at the Bible's claim. What does God say? And then we went, just like with Brother Buddy Payne, we went to the world and the evidences around us, and we said, what does that show us? If people are coming to us with these false fact, uh, statements, false statements, what did we see at the beginning of the class? It's easier to believe a lie that you've heard a thousand times than the truth you've never heard. My hope is that you now have some fragments of this truth that it can help them see what they've been told is made up. That's why they call it a theory. 
That's why it's not considered a law in science. We've looked at the Bible's claim. Then we looked at the briefly the stories of dragons, cave drawings, drawings in general, uh, Ica burial stones, figurines from Mexico, fossil record, and dinosaur soft tissue. I'd encourage you, if you want to look at a couple websites, if this interests you, one, I can give you every source of everything we have gone through today. But also, there's three great uh, um, resources. I have quite a few of them, but these I'll call my, my cornerstones in the research that I've been doing over 20 years. Uh, Apologetic Press, Answers in Genesis, and Brother, uh, Brother Don, uh, Dr. Don Patton. Uh, great sources um, that are out there fighting every day this attack on the Bible in Genesis 1 through 11. With this in mind, I want us to look at three final images. Do we know how man and dinosaurs interacted? No. We see they were hunted like just a normal, regular animal. There, unfortunately, the cave drawing didn't make it, but there is a cave drawing that shows that. They interacted with other animals and they got in fights. But just like we have tamed lions and alligators and bears, could a triceratops have been trained and domesticated? And there's no indication that that wouldn't have happened. The Ica burial stones, if you study those and look at the details, it's quite astounding. The human interaction that occurs in these stones with them. At the bottom here, um, Psalms 8, 4 through 7, they, they take a few parts out of it, but it says, What is man that you are mindful of him? You have made him to have dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, even beasts of the field. Here's another triceratops, James 3, 7. For every kind of beast and bird of reptile creature of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by mankind. And then the last photo, Genesis 1, 25 through 26. And verse 31, And God made the beast of the earth according to its kind, and God saw that it was good. Then God said, Let us make man in our image. Let them have dominion over all the earth. Then God saw everything he had made, and indeed it was very good. So the evening and the morning of the sixth day. In Exodus 20, verse 11, we just saw, just a moment ago, that all things were made by God's hand. In six, literal, 24-hour, Days. And while there is a relentless pursuit to discredit the Word of God, I'm here to tell you, just like Buddy showed us, hopefully as you've seen tonight, that God's Word stands against the walls of the devil. So how do we handle this truth? How do we handle the truths found in the Bible? that are so very clear. Sin separates us from God. God sent a way to redeem us. We remember the sacrifice of our Lord Jesus Christ every week. The real question is, must we, is we must consider if we will submit ourselves to the gospel, believe what we've heard, repent, confess, and be baptized in order to walk in newness of life. We also offer the invitation for anyone that has a need of the church here. Please come forward as, you, as we stand and sing the invitation song.